Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Um, leave a review on Podchaser. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, donate at <coughs> buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Donate at uh, patreon.com slash single simulcast. Um, if you're on, uh, good pods, uh, go ahead and donate there. Yeah. Fuck this book. Let's get it. Chapter 15. The cartel runs this city, not y'all. Y'all work for us. Zaire. Breeze paced the spacious room back and forth, trying not to think about the subject that overwhelmed her thoughts. She was battling her conscience and also the pain that was in the pit of her stomach. Heroin was calling for her and she was on the brink of answering because they, you know, still haven't gotten her into rehab. They didn't even, they didn't even Amy Winehouse this shit. They didn't even try to make her go to rehab. I don't understand what these niggas are thinking when they're like, we're not going to do the best thing for our uh, significant others medically. I mean, to be honest, we don't know what Carter would have done, though, because his home care system was all a fucking dream. No, Breeze, you can't. I can fight this shit, she thought as she clutched her stomach and fell to her knees in pain. The pain that shot through her stomach was almost unbearable as she collapsed to all fours and began to cry. Breeze couldn't understand what was going on with her body. She had never had an itch so bad. And whether she knew it or not, she was going through withdrawal. She was so used to getting dope shot into her veins on a daily basis that the first time her body went without it, it became excruciating. She kept thinking about what her father would say if he saw her in the state that she was in at that moment. Bree stood to her feet and took a deep breath while still clenching her stomach. She was ashamed of what she was about to do, but she couldn't help it. She had to shoot the magic into her veins immediately. She had to. She craved the warm sensation that the dope had when it crawled up her veins after injecting it. She kept thinking about how good it would make her feel, and that thought alone was almost orgasmic. She had spent the last 15 minutes going back and forth, hoping that she would have enough willpower to fight the urge. However, when that monkey is on a person's back, all logic goes out the window. Breeze quickly rushed to Zaire's room and began to search through his drawers, 
trying to find any money she could. She ran across a rubber band full of hundreds and immediately clipped two of the crisp bills. She then rushed to the front room and grabbed Zaire's car keys. She was out of the door and on her way to the trap to cop a fix. <clears throat> so you know she's on heroin. The doctor told you she's on heroin and said she needs to go to rehab, but y'all said no, no, no. So y'all just going to leave money and, and keys and possessions in the midst of somebody who's going through full withdrawal and not be there to monitor that shit. Like lots of money. Breeze cruised the streets, searching for a dope boy to serve her a fix. She had on a jogging suit with house shoes on her feet as she pushed the new model bins down the street. Before, she would have never been caught looking anything less than glamorous. But now, it was a different story. She was no longer street royalty. She was just a junkie looking for a fix. She was a completely different person than she once was, and life had taken a toll on her. She pulled onto a side street that was known for drug trafficking and parked her car. She noticed a group of young thugs posted on the stoop and waved one of them over. All eyes were on Breeze as she posted on the block and waited for the young hustler to approach her car. Breeze was fidgety and anxious as she tapped her wheel repeatedly, waiting for the guy to approach. Sup, ma? The hustler asked as he bent his head down and licked his lips. Sup, you got some boy? Breeze asked, cutting straight to the point while clenching her stomach. The young thug squinted his eyes and recognized Breeze when he looked closer. He couldn't believe what she was asking him for. Here she was, the daughter of Carter Diamond, sister of the most ruthless gangster and the dream girl for any dope boy that ever laid eyes on her. And she was looking to cop some dope from him. He instantly knew that she was craving dope from her body language. What? He asked, thinking that he had heard her wrong. You heard me. Do you got some or not? She demanded again, but this time she pulled out a hundred dollar bill from her bra. The hustler couldn't believe what she was asking, and he knew that her brother wouldn't appreciate him serving Breeze. So he stepped back and shook his head. Breeze smacked her lips and put up her middle finger as she began to look past him searching for a willing hustler. You know I can't do that. This is Mecca and Zaire's territory, ma. You can't do that, he said, trying to put her up on game without getting disrespectful. He knew that the dope he had in his pocket came from the cartel, and to give it to Breeze would be straight up violating. Nigga, fuck is you talking about? You just scared, that's all, Breeze said as she waved him off, dismissing him like a flunky. At that point, she bruised the young hustler's ego, and it noticeably got to him. I'm not scared of your peoples. Believe that. I just ain't for the bullshit that comes along with this, he responded. Like I said, you scared, Breeze said as she realized that her words were getting him upset. Breeze was smart enough to know that when a man's ego is bruised, it'll make him do things he usually wouldn't do. In this case, he played right into Breeze's hands. Look, ma. I ain't scared of no damn body. I just... You just a pussy. Breeze interrupted as she waved the $100 bill in the air. The hustle looked around and then reached into the car, snatching the money out of Breeze's hand. He then dug into his pocket and pulled out two packs of dope and tossed it on her lap. There you go. Fuck it. He said as he stood back up, feeling like a big man. 
Breeze's eyes went directly to her lap and on the packs. Her eyes lit up and her anxiety went into overdrive as she anticipated what was to happen next. She couldn't wait to get back to Zaire's house. She wanted to shoot up immediately. Yo, is it somewhere I could take my medicine? Breeze asked as she turned off the car and looked at the hustler. Yeah, up there, he said as he threw his head in the direction of the house behind him. Just go through the back and then you can do your thing in there, he said, feeling like a big man now that he has served her. Before he could complete his sentence, Breeze was out of the car and headed to the back of the house. All the hustlers looked at her as she passed as if she was crazy. They looked at her nice body and the jogging pants that hugged her petite behind. Breeze went to the back of the house and entered. The foul smell of blood and body odor filled the air as Breeze made her way through the shooting gallery. A nickname junkies gave her residence where users went to shoot their dope. Breeze walked through the house and saw different people scattered throughout the studio-style place, all using their preferred drug. She stepped over a man that was laid out on the floor in a deep nod and found a table that was in the far corner. She quickly sat down and pulled out her two packs. She reached into her purse and got a shooter, also known as a syringe, and began to set up. Once she melted down the drug and got everything in order, she was ready to take the mystical train to Cloud Nine. As she filled the syringe with the smack, she felt her vagina get wet as if she was going to have sex with her dream man. However, the only thing that was about to go into her was a needle filled with heroin. She pulled off the jacket to her jogging suit and grabbed a belt that someone had left on the table. She tied the belt around her arm and fastened it as tightly as she could. She put the end of the belt in between her teeth to keep the tension. She slowly pushed up the syringe to eject the water that was at the tip and prepared to put it into the big green vein that had formed on her forearm. She slid the syringe into her vein and slowly ejected herself with the dope. She instantly became relaxed, and a small smile formed on her face as her eyes closed. Drool began to creep out of the left side of her mouth as she slumped into the chair. Within seconds, she had slipped into a deep nod, and all her pain was temporarily taken away from her. Unbeknownst to Breeze, another hustler by the name of Scoot had known about the relationship Breeze and Zaire once shared, and he immediately called his mentor to tell him that Breeze was inside of the dope house shooting up. Scoot knew that once Zaire or Mecca found out that Breeze had been served on one of the cartel's blocks, it would be hell to pay. That was exactly why Scoot called Zaire to notify him, hoping he would be saving his own ass. Zaire sped down the street with Ileana in the pasture seat. Their lunch date was cut short by a phone. Why the fuck are you going to lunch and leaving her alone by herself? Why is this happening? Also, why is it that the only full chapters we get about Breeze is when she's fucking struggling, suffering, getting sexually assaulted, or high? Like y'all spent no time with her when she was sober. She was just a background character. But now that y'all got her high and completely just violated, now y'all want to talk about how she's going to get her smacked. And it's still to push a story. Their lunch date was cut short by a phone call Zaire received moments ago. Can't believe this shit, Zaire whispered as he maneuvered through traffic, trying to get the breeze. Ileana sat in the passenger seat with her hands crossed over her chest tightly. She had a major attitude, and the way that Zaire cared for Breeze had her jealous. 
Just let her be, Ileana said as she rolled her eyes at Zaire. He shot a look over to Ileana that said much more than words could describe. Basically, if looks could kill, Ileana would have been dead right then and there. Zaire pulled onto the block, turned the corner almost on two wheels. He stepped out of the car and began yelling, Where's she at? He yelled at nobody in particular. Everyone pointed to the house, and Zaire quickly entered his dope house and scanned the room. What he saw in the corner broke his heart. Breeze was nodding, with the syringe stuck in her arm. No, Breeze, no, Zaire whispered as he slowly walked over to Breeze. She was so high, she didn't even know that he was there. Zaire reached Breeze and dropped to his knees so he could be eye level with her. He slowly took the syringe out of her arm and forcefully threw it across the room in anger. He then grabbed Breeze by the face and lightly smacked her, trying to wake her up. Wake up, beautiful. It's time to go, he said as his heart ached. Seeing Breeze high was one of the worst things he could ever endure. He loved Breeze, and he refused to let her continue down the path of destruction. Breeze! He called again. Hey, Zaire, she said in a slurred voice, barely opening her eyes. She smiled goofily because the drug had her in a total daze and her body was completely relaxed. Come on, baby, he said as he picked her up and headed out the door. Zaire kissed Breeze on the forehead gently as she kept nodding uncontrollably. Open the door, he ordered to Ileana. She rolled her eyes and got out to do as he requested. Zaire slid Breeze into the back seat and then closed the door. Zaire immediately pulled out his gun and made his way back to the stoop where the hustlers were posted. Who served her? Zaire asked with an ice grill expression on his face. He was extremely upset and he was about to show the youngsters how the cartel got down. Who? He asked again after not getting an immediate response. The hustlers on the stoop knew Zaire meant business, so it didn't take long for the finger pointing to begin. Zaire saw that everyone, including Scoot, pointed to the guy who sold the dope to Breeze. Zaire instantly grabbed the dude by the neck and put the gun in his mouth. I want everyone to listen and listen close, Zaire yelled, trying to get everyone's attention. Everyone on the block looked at Zaire as he dragged the young hustler to the middle of the street. Nobody serves Breeze. Do you fucking hear me? The cartel runs this city, not y'all. You work for us, he yelled, something that he rarely did. If I hear about anyone giving her dope, this is what's going to happen. Boom. A single shot rang through the air as the young hustler's brains were blown all over the pavement. His body instantly went limp and dropped. Zaire released his grip and let him fall. Hey, everybody. Hey, come around. Come around. Want to see a magic trick? Murder. You just called everybody over there to watch you murk somebody. Just get her in fucking rehab, dog. The doctor told you what to do. The entire block was stunned. It was so quiet, you could hear a pin drop. Zaire just shut down the whole block with a single shot. Zaire wiped the blood off his face and looked around giving every single hustler direct eye contact. He sent a message that would be embedded in each one of their hearts forever. Forever? Forever, ever? Forever? Zaire sat with Breeze 24 hours a day for weeks as she kicked her habit cold turkey. Get her into a goddamn rehab. 
It was so painful for him to watch her body go through withdrawal, but he knew that it was for the best. By giving her tough love, he was saving her from herself. She had not asked to be introduced to addiction, but she was allowing it to eat her alive. What? You do know addiction's a sickness, right? Like, she's not allowing it to do shit. Y'all niggas slanging this shit. Y'all are allowing it to control your lives because you're not addicted. You're just slanging the shit. <sighs> he knew that she was strong enough to overcome the monkey on her back. All he had to do was convince her of that. He had never thought he would see the day that she would be so strung out. And he had to remind himself daily that she did not choose this lifestyle. It had been forced upon her. The more time he put in with Breeze the more irritated Ileana became. Zaire didn't have time to babysit her, however. His only focus was helping Breeze get better. He even missed out on money to be with her. Everything in his life was put on hold. Nothing mattered more than she did. This was not a battle that she could fight on her own, so he was going to walk with her and fight it for her every step of the way. White Knight shit. Nobody really understood the connection that he felt for her. All they saw was a black girl who had been lost to the game. But in her, Zaire saw so much more. He knew that the girl he loved was still somewhere inside of her. All he had to do was love her through her pain and help her get back to the beautiful young girl she used to be. Breeze's body went through hell and back. Zaire saw things come out of her that no man ever wanted to see. But he never turned her back on her. There were even days when she degraded herself. She had been so used to being used and abused that she offered to trade drugs for sex with Zaire. She had no clue how her words tore his heart out of his chest. All she knew was that she wanted her fix. Zaire attributed everything to the heroin and took it all in, absorbing the pain every day in order to help her get better. Zaire did not care for many people, but for Breeze, he would go to the end of the world and back. She had captured his heart and loyalty forever. He knew that she would never be the perfect girl. She was too jaded, too scarred to revert back completely. But as long as she was able to get clean, she would be perfect for him. That's all he could ask of her. And he was doing all in his power to ensure that she made it through. Except getting her to a rehab. No, no, no. Chapter 16 I'm the only fucking professional out of the bunch. Robin Carter sat at his dining table as he stared in disbelief at the information in front of him. After hiring a private investigator, he had found out Mia Moore's true profession. The truth was staring him in the face, and he finally understood why Mecca's hatred for Mia Moore ran so deep. A part of him wondered if what they had was even real. He refused to believe that she was playing him just to get to the cartel. He had gotten inside her head. He had explored the space between her legs and had learned to control her heart. The way he had loved her was rare. He had never given himself to a woman the way he had with Mia Moore. To think that it was all a lie was unfathomable. Before him were pictures of the murder mamas, newspaper clippings from the crimes they had committed, and an address where they could be found now. Carter's P.I. had tracked them down in California. As the evidence of Mia Moore's ruthlessness haunted him, he felt an overwhelming urge to speak with the members of her crew who were still standing. 
He remembered meeting them once at the club, but had no idea how dangerous the ladies were at the time. As he found out about Mia Moore's life as a murderer for hire, he developed a newfound attraction to her. She was the best at what she did. She could have trusted me with this secret, he thought. See, and that's funny because in her dream, she told him and he beat the shit out of her and threw her out the building, which was her fears. But, you know, Carter's a good guy who just literally refuses to uh, put his sister in rehab. The murder mama's track record was so brutal that he knew he was lucky to be alive. Even none of his young gunners had the body count that Mia Moore and her crew had attained. Now, there's this podcast called Black Chick Lit. And they did an episode reviewing the cartel chapter, or book one, where they mentioned that the murder mamas were confirmed to have committed 80% of the murders in Miami, which was like, I don't know how I miss making fun of that shit. Y'all should check their podcast out. If I had known, I would have put her down with the cartel, he thought, impressed and intrigued all at the same time. Me and Moore had truly been one of a kind, and he didn't know how much until now. Through all the anger and confusion he felt, the love he had for her was still present. Despite the fact that she had played a vital part in the demise of his family, the spell she had cast on him was still too potent for him to shake her loose. Her spirit was with him. He was in love with the killer. A murder mama. You mean was. Was in love with the killer. They could have been the power couple sitting at the top if she had just been honest with them. Her hatred for his family could have been resolved. Her ongoing beef with Mecca settled if only she had told him the truth. She was ruthless, but she had bitten off more than she could chew when she became Mecca's opposition. And as much as he wanted to, he couldn't blame Mecca for the decision he had made to put her down. Carter finally understood that he was not the only one involved in a love affair with Mia Moore. Mecca had had his own relationship with her as well. But instead of exchanging whispers and kisses in the night, Mecca and Mia Moore exchanged hollow points in warfare. They had been enemies of the worst kind. Mecca was right. Would she have killed me next? He had to know the answer, and the only way to find out was to talk to the people who had known her best. He looked at the California address once more and hopped up. He had to see Robin and Aries. They were the ones who could give him the answers he so desperately sought. Why? Why? Carter cocked his gun to load a single bullet in his semi-automatic and removed the safety as he placed it on his hip before getting out of the car. He carefully approached the front door to Robin and Aries' place. Their good looks concealed their malicious intent, but now that Carter knew how they got down, he wouldn't be caught slipping. He didn't come to play games. He simply wanted answers. A conversation was all he wanted, and he hoped that they would put aside their hatred for him at the moment. He placed his hand near his waistline as he knocked on the door. When Aries pulled it open, she gasped in surprise. A mix of emotions filled her as she pulled her baby 380 without hesitation and pointed it directly in Carter's face. Aries, who is it? Robin shouted from the kitchen. As tears filled Aries' eyes, she couldn't move her mouth to answer. Carter didn't flinch as he stared at Aries sincerely. I'm not here for all that. I come in peace. 
I just want to talk. Aries' lip quivered as she thought of pulling the trigger on the man that Mia Moore had loved. You let she die, Aries whispered. Aries, who is it? Robin asked as she walked up and pulled the door fully open. She stopped and stared Carter in the eyes. Shoot him, she said. Me friend is dead because of you, Aries said again. I know. Please, I just need to know more. I know about everything, about her affiliation with the murder mamas, and I just really need to speak with the two of you. I have to know if anything she said to me was ever real. Was I just a target? Carter asked. Both Aries and Robin could see the pain in his eyes. Aries lowered her gun and stepped to the side as Robin relieved him of his weapon. Are you alone? Robin asked reluctantly. Nobody knows that I'm here, he replied. Come in, she said as she led him to the kitchen table, while Aries walked behind him with her gun still in her hand. Carter took a seat across from Aries as Robin went back into the kitchen. She emerged with two plates of food. We were about to eat. You might as well join us. She placed the food in front of Aries and Carter before going to fix her own. Once they were all comfortable at the table, Aries asked, How did you find us? If your money's long enough, anybody can be found, Carter said. Well, you didn't come all the way out here for nothing. So what do you want to know? Robin asked. Was I just another target to Mia Moore? Carter asked. Mia Moore wasn't a dumb girl. She stayed in Miami to be with you, not get at you. She loved you even though we told her she was crossing the line, Robin admitted. Our target was a cartel. Mia didn't know you were a part of it until she saw you at your brother's funeral. We came to shoot up the entire front row, but she called it off when she saw you. We tried to get she to stop seeing you, Carter, but she wouldn't, Aries revealed. Damn, are they going to keep switching back and forth between you and Chu? Like, if Chu is you, then isn't that indigenous to whatever dialect y'all are forcing upon her? Why does she keep switching back to you? His relief could be felt around the table as he sighed deeply. He had flown 3,000 miles just to hear those words. She's dead because of you. If she had come here with us, she would still be alive. Her death is on you. I hope you know that, Robin stated sadly. I think about it every day, he admitted. Thinking about it doesn't bring she back, Carter. What are you going to do about it, Aries asked. We know who did this to she. Chu didn't know before, but now you can't play dumb. Chu know everything. Something has to be done. Carter sat back in his chair. He's my brother, Carter whispered in turmoil. Well, he isn't ours, Robin stated harshly. No matter what happens from this point, she isn't coming back, Carter stated, heartbroken. I loved Mia more. I had plans to have her in my life for a long time. I just want the two of you to know that. Nothing about what I felt for her was fake. Carter stood and Robin handed him his gun back. Thank you for telling me what I need to know, he said. You are welcome, Aries stated. Robin walked into the door and then came back to find Aries reaching for Carter's plate of food. Out of nowhere, she slapped the fork out of her hand, sending it flying clear across the room. Ow, bitch! What the fuck did you do that for? Aries asked, looking to Robin as if she had lost her mind. Go ahead and eat it, 
You know how I get down. I don't give a fuck if the nigga came over here to pour out his love for me and more. You know what I put in that. The nigga was just too smart for his own damn good. He didn't even touch his plate. Robin replied with a smirk. Aries burst out laughing and she pushed the plate away. Thanks for the heads up. Robin cracked up too and playfully answered, With your friendly ass. I don't know what it is about that pretty ass nigga. All my girls turn to mush around his ass. First Mia, now you. I swear I'm the only fucking professional out of the bunch. Chapter 17 When the Mexicans come, they'll come with the army of an entire country behind them. Breeze was finally adjusting to being back home. And although weaning her body off of heroin was an everyday struggle, with the help of Zaire, she finally felt a sense of belonging again. He was great for her in so many ways. Despite the time that had passed between them, they were able to pick up right where they had left off. They were so close, it seemed as if they lived in a world by themselves. They rocked with one another and no one else. He was her best friend, and she loved him for not judging her. She was still very rough around the edges. The glamour and prestige of the young, spoiled Breeze Diamond no longer existed. Now, she was simple, timid, and trying to find her new identity as a young woman who had lived a rough life. She had seen too many bad things to go back to the naive princess she had once been. Life had grown her up, and now Zaire was helping to stabilize her. Most of her family was dead. The only people that she had left were her two brothers and Zaire. Those relationships meant everything to her. They were the only normalcy she knew, and everyone else was considered an outsider. As she lay in bed, Zaire knocked on the door and peeked his head inside. You awake, Ma? he asked. Bree sat up against the headboard and smiled as she fixed her frazzled ponytail. She patted the bed beside her, motioning for him to sit next to her. Yeah, I'm up, she replied as he crawled into her bed. He kissed her cheek. You good? he asked. You need anything? Bree shook her head and replied, Just you, Zaire. You're so good to me. I don't know what I would do without you. You don't have to think about that, Breeze. You'll never have to be without me. I'm going to always be here for you, he whispered. Breeze shook her head and replied, How long do you think your little girlfriend's going to let me stick around? She don't want me here, Zaire. You say you'll be here now, but when she makes you choose? I'm going to choose you, he replied. You know me, Ma. I'm not in the knockoffs. I need the real thing, and not at your back. It's a wrap for everybody else. Breeze blushed as she lowered her chin to her chest. Compared to Ileana, I'm the knockoff. She's beautiful, Zaire. I can't compete with that. Not anymore. Bet you Ileana's outside listening to the conversation. Zaire could hear the insecurity in her voice, and it bruised him deeply because no other woman could hold a candle to Breeze. She was in a league all her own. She used to know this, but her self-esteem had been beaten to the ground. And now she felt threatened. He had already stopped sleeping with Ileana. Out of respect for Breeze, he slept on the couch. But he could see that the better Breeze's health became, the more she felt second rate to Ileana. Balancing the personalities of the two women was hard for Zaire. And although he wanted to cut Ileana off completely, he knew that he would have to do it slowly. The last thing he wanted to do was create a rift between the guards of Cartel and Carter's operation. 
because he had made the mistake of becoming sexual with Ileana multiple times and then letting her live in his house. You don't have to compete, Breeze. She doesn't mean anything to me. I'm only worried about you right now, he said. Okay? She nodded her head. Okay. I know what you need, Ma. You need to get out of this house. Is shopping still your favorite pastime? He asked playfully. I haven't been in so long, I might not remember how to do it. She replied with a laugh. Zaire reached into his pocket and began to pull out a knot of cash, but he stopped himself. He didn't want to put any money in Breeze's hand. Although she had shaken off her addiction, her sobriety was important to Zaire, and he didn't think she was ready to have cash in her hands. It might be too much temptation for her, he thought. I'm going to arrange for a driver to take you and Ileana shopping today. I'll leave some money with her, and you can go relax. Enjoy a day out on me. The sky is a limit, so get whatever you want, he said. Breeze nodded and closed her eyes as Zaire kissed her forehead before walking out of the room. The limousine was silent as Ileana and Breeze were escorted to Ball Harbor's elite shopping boutiques. I, I don't know. What made Zaire think that this is a good idea? To put these two in the car together, but it was obvious that the girls did not care for one another. Their only connection was Zaire, and each felt like her position in his life was threatened as long as the other was around. Why does Breeze feel like that? I don't understand what. Okay. Ileana sipped on champagne and she looked Breeze up and down from behind the tent to her Chanel shades. As a limo pulled curbside, Ileana stepped out of the car and did not wait for Breeze before she strutted into the boutique. Expected to be catered to, she was taken aback when the salespeople bypassed her to service Breeze. The Diamond family legacy was known throughout the city, and as much as Breeze used to frequent the shops, her face had not been forgotten. The salespeople waited on her hand and foot, while Ileana shopped alone, heated. Breeze was overwhelmed by all of the attention but it felt good to knock Ileana off her high horse. For the first time since her return, she was receiving the type of respect that her last name demanded, and it felt good. She could feel Ileana's envy all the way across the room. Soon Breeze was back in her element, and she found herself buying up everything inside as she went from designer shop to designer shop. Before she knew it, the day had passed by and they were back in the limousine headed home. Ileana was steaming, and she was determined to not breeze off her high horse. She rolled down the window to separate them from the driver and said, I need to make a detour to 63rd Street. She was about to take breeze to the infamous pork and bean projects in Liberty City. Tired of playing nice, Ileana had something sinister in store for breeze that would be sure to banish her from Zaire's life forever. The luxury Chrysler limousine seemed out of place in the dilapidated housing community and the weary corner boys looked on curiously as it rolled to a stop. What are we doing here? Breeze asked Ileana as she peered out of the tinted windows. I just need to cop a little something to take the edge off, Ileana replied devilishly as she saw a familiar spark go off inside of Breeze. You need anything? Are you good? Breeze shook her head as she felt the familiar tingle of anticipation fill her loins. All of a sudden, her craving came back full force. No, I, I'm good, she replied. Ileana shrugged her shoulders and got out of the car, 
taking only a $100 bill with her. She quickly copped Breeze's drug of choice and hurried back to the limo. I got you a little something just in case, Ileana said as soon as she stepped back inside. She opened her hand to reveal the tiny packs of dope that she had inside. Breeze's eyes widened eagerly as she reached out her hand to grab them, but she resisted and snatched her hand back as if it was on fire. I can't. I promised him, Breeze said as she tried to convince herself to do the right thing. So your sobriety is based on Zaire? Is that what we're doing right now? You promised him? Okay. Also, how the fuck does Ileana know where the pork and bean projects are? She's from Mexico. How does she know how to get there? Who said anybody beside you and me has a no? Ileana replied. Breeze didn't respond, but Ileana already knew that Breeze was going to indulge. Once a junkie, always a junkie, Ileana thought. She placed the packs on the seat beside Breeze and watched in amusement as Breeze slowly but surely picked them up and tucked them inside of her jean pocket. She couldn't wait to get back to Zaire's house and get high. She was so anxious she began to fidget in her seat. Ileana had just sent Breeze spiraling back down into the abyss, hindering her recovery. There was no remorse to be felt by her, however. Life was a game of chess, not checkers and Ileana didn't care how many queens she had to destroy in order to win. Zaire walked into his place, exhausted from a long day of hustling. His home was unusually quiet, and an eerie feeling passed over him as he entered. It was 2 a.m., and he knew that Breeze and Ileana were probably asleep. He knocked on the guest bedroom door. He didn't want to disturb her, but he had to see her face before he went to bed. Ever since Breeze had been back, Seeing her face had been like a blessing to him. Her smile made him smile, and he wanted to know how her day had gone before he retired for the night. When she didn't respond, he opened the door and eased inside. Her bed was perfectly made, and he frowned when he saw her sitting on the floor in the dark with her back leaned lazily against the bed. B, you aight in here? He asked as he stepped inside. He turned on the light and what he saw enraged him. Breeze was on the floor, and a deep nod as drool ran down the side of her lip. The belt she had used to produce a vein was still tied around her arm, and the empty packs of heroin littered the bedroom floor. Zaire bit into his bottom lip to stop himself from screaming out loud as he rushed over to her side. I told them, niggas. I told them, he mumbled as he saw red. The burner on his hip was calling his name. There was no doubt he was going to murder a nigga tonight. Breeze, wake up, ma. Wake up, he said as he picked up her frail body from the floor. Breeze, he shouted as he slapped her face gently to stir her from her nod. He carried her wildly into the adjoining bathroom as he placed her in the bathtub and turned on the shower. The shock of the cold water woke her up. You promised me, ma, he said in defeat as he got on his knees to stare her in the eyes. He gripped the sides of her head tightly. He was so angry with her, so disappointed in her. You were doing so good. Fuck were you thinking, Breeze, he shouted. I'm sorry, she replied, her eyelids still low. I can't stop. Who gave you this shit, Zaire screamed like a maniac. He was so livid that he thought about striking her, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. She can't help it. It's not her fault, 
he kept telling himself. Who served you? He asked. A slight smile spread across her lips as Breeze whispered. Your fucking girlfriend did, okay? I was trying, but I'm not strong enough to kick this, Zaire. Ileana gave it to me. I could have said no, but I took it. I wanted it. Before Breeze could finish her sentence, Zaire was up and out of the room with a flash. He was so out of his mind that he didn't stop to think before he burst into his bedroom. A sleeping Ileana was caught by surprise when Zaire pulled her out of his bed by her legs. Bitch, you gave that shit to her? He asked. Not waiting for an answer, he smacked fire from Ileana. No, Zaire, she's lying. Ileana screamed as Zaire's open hand closed and came barreling across her face. You done fucked up now. She saw stars as he attacked her relentlessly. No, please stop, she hollered, but the soundproof walls intercepted all of her pleas. She had no choice but to take this ass whooping. First of all, use a punk bitch for hitting a woman. Second of all, use a stupid motherfucker for hitting the woman who's the sister of the head of the fucking drug cartel who's supplying y'all with cocaine. Use a dumbass motherfucker for fucking with her in the first place, but use a stupid motherfucker for hitting her. Use a cowardly bitch for hitting her. Let's be real. But on top of that, use a stupid motherfucker for not putting that motherfucker in a rehab and getting her out your house. Use a dumb motherfucker for fucking with Ileana in the first place. And to continue to fuck with her even when you're with Breeze. And without telling her what was going on in your life that had Breeze in this situation so then she would understand what was going on and why you're looking at her like that. And for still fucking with her after you have Breeze in your goddamn house. But more than anything else, use a cowardly dumb motherfucker for putting hands on a woman. And I don't give a fuck if this is a made up goddamn urban fiction book. I'm disappointed in you fucking Zaire. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And you just brought ruin down on the fucking cartel. So eat that for dinner, you punk motherfucker. Zaire went bananas on Ileana. Beating a woman was so out of his character, but he had snapped. All he could see was an addicted breeze as he punished Ileana. She curled up in a fetal position and tried to cover her face as Zaire loomed over her, raining punches down over her. I mean, she knew what was going to happen, though. She said that she was going to do some sinister shit that was going to get her put out of Zaire's life forever. And she didn't care. All these motherfuckers are living recklessly for no other reason than to push this storyline forward. This is the part where I turn and look over my shoulder at my wife. What do you think, boo? Oh, she's gonna tell. She's gonna tell. I'm shocked Zaire wasn't in one of them caskets at the beginning of the book. <sighs> you dirty bitch, Zaire raged. He straddled her and wrapped his hands around her neck as he squeezed the life out of her. Zaire didn't come back to reality until he felt someone's hands pulling him off her. He heard Breeze sobbing by the doorway. Zaire! Carter yelled as he hemmed him up. Chill out! Sweating profusely and breathing erratically, Zaire was an emotional mess. Is she dead? He asked as his rage subsided. He noticed that Ileana wasn't moving. Fuck, he yelled. 
Carter kneeled over her still body to check her pulse and answered, She's alive, but I gotta get her to a doctor. This is bad, Zaire. You know who she's connected to. Fuck were you thinking? Carter knew that if Breeze hadn't called him, then Zaire would have probably killed Ileana. I wasn't. She gave Breeze dope and I lost it. He whispered as he looked back at a fearful Breeze. He quickly turned his head. He couldn't even look at her right now. You know what this means, right? Carter asked. Zaire nodded. I'm sorry, bro. I spazzed. Dude, I'm sorry. I spazzed. I took on the responsibility of having your sister in my house without putting her into a rehab facility where none of this shit would have happened and she actually would have had care to watch over her until she kicked the habit or until she got her mind right. And then I left her alone with the person that I knew couldn't stand her. But I didn't think it was going to come to this. Dude, I spazzed. Wearing his heart on his sleeve was so uncharacteristic for Zaire, but Breeze was his weak spot. Ever since she had come home, he had been a loose cannon, acting without thinking about the repercussions. As long as you prepare to deal with the consequences, this is the beginning of another war, and this time we can't afford to lose. What about her? What are we going to do about her, Zaire asked. I'm going to get her admitted into the hospital, which you didn't do for Breeze. I'm just saying it could have fucking you didn't do it for me and more in her dream. You didn't do it for Breeze in real fucking life. That would have solved every goddamn thing. I'm going to get her admitted into the hospital. When she wakes up, she'll call for her family without a doubt. We just have to be prepared because when the Mexicans come, they'll come with an army of an entire country behind them. And I don't give a fuck. Burn it down. Burn it all down. Nigga, you knew what you should have done. You led that woman on so much without giving her an inch of your love. You just left her thirsting after you because you thought that's what real niggas did. Real niggas do real things. Well, now you know what? Real niggas ain't got no dope. Real niggas got a fight on their hands that you can't fucking win. There's, nigga, they about to send, according to Carter, they about to send the whole of Mexico to y'all's house, and you got you, bitch-ass Mecca, and young Carter. The fuck you gonna do? Shit is just, ugh. Once again, y'all are raced to the end of the book, and to get to the end of the book, you abuse women. This is like step one. Open the story by saying something, you know, vague about somebody dying or being in a casket. Step two, have this storyline where women fall over men who are no fucking good for them. By the way, baby, Lena got back with Mecca. Step three, have a woman get her ass whooped or sexually assaulted. And then the book ends. We are literally 96% of the way done with this book and I can't be happier. But I know that there's another goddamn book right behind it so I can't be sadder. Because I got to do this shit all over again. And again and again and again. I'm going to tell y'all like this. If you have a family member who's suffering from drug addiction, get them to rehab. 
do not allow them to kick cold turkey. And I realize there are people, I realize that there is actually a wage gap that keeps people from being able to get their families into rehab because the shit ain't free and it ain't cheap. I realize that. But these motherfuckers are the richest motherfuckers in fucking Miami. Why the fuck are you doulaing this shit? Why the fuck do you got a wet nurse? Why the fuck is she at home sitting in a fucking (laughs) child's waiting pool while she kicks a heroin habit? Kind of holistic shit are y'all on, fam? Oh, if we spark up this incense, it's going to help the heroin come out of her pores and she's going to be all right. Bitch, get her to rehab. The doctor literally said she needs rehab and she needs counseling. And that meant Zaire's house. You knew what you were getting into. You knew what you were getting her into. And you knew what you were getting Ileana into. And you didn't care about none of them. That's yet another woman who's being devastated in this book. And she's being devastated in this book because of something that y'all put on Breeze. So once again, Breeze is a catalyst for something bad to happen. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Podchaser. You can leave a review for the show or the episodes. Uh, do both. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I guess Stitcher's got it. I ain't seen it. You can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash single simulcast. Help us buy some more books and shit. You can buy me a coffee, which will actually buy me books and movies at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. And you can go to Good Pods. Uh, shout out to everybody who's over there. I really do appreciate y'all. Leave a review um, and donate there, too. This book is fucking nonsense. I think that's the best way to put this shit. And there's three goddamn chapters left. And the three goddamn chapters literally equals... 23 pages. So I'm going to kill this book by next episode. And I cannot wait. Fuck this book. But I know the next book is going to be the same goddamn thing. And that's what infuriates me. There's no getting out of this circle that they've written for themselves. The only way to get out of this is if Breeze literally dies. Then they have nobody else to pin all this pain on anymore. But if Breeze dies, then I'm going to be furious because they fucking killed Breeze. So there's no way to please me in this shit. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.